the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there a real God and where is he when I'm really suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every day on this program. In these challenging times, we believe that God's word is the source to all our answers. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us today. The Apostle Paul wrote half of the New Testament. He wrote 14 of the 27 books. We don't know for sure which book he wrote first. It's either the book of Galatians or it's 1 Thessalonians. This could be the first letter that Paul ever wrote. We believe this book was written around 50 to 51 A.D. And the significance of that, you say, what does that have to do with, with us? Well, the significance is, if, you, if you're good with numbers, that's only about 17 or 18 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. When Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, the Lord had been gone just a few years. Now the Thessalonians, for the most part, they believed in the return of Jesus Christ. You see, the biggest difference between Christians who lived in the first century and Christians today who live in the 21st century is that the Christians living in the first century lived as though Jesus could return at any minute. I want you in your Bibles, if you have your Bible, in chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10, I want you to circle the word wait. The Bible says they were waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to return from heaven. For them, he hadn't been gone that long. Now the word wait, the Greek word, I want to put this on the screen, in the Greek is the word anameno. And the word anameno, that Greek word for wait, in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10, this might surprise you, it's the only place in the entire New Testament that word is found. Now there are other variations of that word, but the Greek word anameno, the only time it's found in the New Testament is in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10. The word wait is very misleading for us because for us, when we think of waiting, it's like go over there in that corner and wait. And so we go over there and we just, we're over there twiddling our thumbs. But in the Greek, the word anameno, it means to expect. It means to anticipate. I like that word anticipate. You see, they were expecting the return of Christ. They were anticipating the return of Christ. I wonder, I really wonder, how many of us in this room today 
are truly expecting the Lord Jesus Christ to return today. So what I want you to know is that these two books, First and Second Thessalonians, uh, they were written to a, a church, to a group of people who were expecting the Lord Jesus Christ to return. So the purpose of these two letters is that while we're waiting, we, we know he's coming, we're expecting him to come, what should we be doing in the meantime? In other words, if Jesus could return at any minute, how should we spend the next 60 seconds? If Jesus could return on any day, how should we spend this day? And out of all the churches that had figured that out, the church at Thessalonica had figured it out. And Paul says these words in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 7, so you, speaking to that church, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, whenever I hear that word model, I think of the husband as he left for work. His wife came and gave him a goodbye kiss, and, and she said to her husband as he walked out the door, you are a model husband. And he felt pretty good about himself as he went to work until he got to work and looked that word up in the dictionary and it said a cheap imitation of the real thing. <laughs> it kind of burst his bubble. But in verse 7 when Paul says you are a modeled, a modeled church, what he's saying is this. Your church, Thessalonica, you have become an example for all churches about what a church should be. Before we get to Thessalonians, uh, get into that, I want you to turn back to Acts chapter 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Turn back in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Because it was in this section of scriptures, what we know as Paul's second missionary journey, that Paul came to Thessalonica for the very first time. And I want to go back and look and see what happened then. Chapter 16, he was in Philippi. First time he ever walks in Thessalonica, chapter 17, verse 1 of Acts. He says, when they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish, what? Synagogue. Now, the reason he didn't go to church, there was no church. So he goes into this Jewish synagogue. And for three consecutive weeks... He reasons with them from their scriptures. And verse 3, here's what he reasons in verse 3. Explaining and proving that the Christ had to do what? And he's talking about the cross. That Jesus had to die on a cross. That he had to suffer. And that three days later he resurrected. And then he said that this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ or the Messiah. He's taking those Old Testament scriptures in the Jewish synagogue and is proving that Jesus is a fulfillment of all those Old Testament scriptures. Oh, I would have loved to have been there those three Sabbaths. Wouldn't you have liked to have been in there? Now, three things happened. Well, we'll look at two first. The first thing that happened, there were immediate conversions. People got saved just left and right. It was amazing. 
second thing that happened, which you should be able to figure this out, was intense persecution. And they both basically happened at the exact same time, all right? He starts in there, he starts preaching. He's there, he's only there three weeks. People start getting saved, and immediately the persecution comes, all right? Now I want to read through so you can see those two things happening. Look at verse 4. Some of the Jews were persuaded. Somebody say, praise God. And they joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks. That's people that are not Jews, people like you and me. That's good. And then it says, and not a few, which means a lot of prominent women. And all God's women said, Amen. Now that's interesting because back in those days, what women were considered, and to think about that the gospel is for everyone. It's for men, it's for women, it's for Jews, it's for Gentiles, it's for anyone who believes that Jesus is a fulfillment of those Old Testament scriptures, the Messiah. But here comes the the persecution in verse 5. But the Jews were jealous, and so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. I don't know why there's always bad characters hanging at the marketplace, but they're always there. And they formed a mob, and they started a riot in the city. It says, they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But, verse 6, when they did not find Paul and Silas, ah, they just dragged old Jason and some of his brothers before the city officials, and they began to shout, these men have caused trouble all over the world and have now come here. Verse 7, and Jason, he's welcomed them. Uh, So they were mad at Paul and Silas, now they're mad at Jason. Jason welcomed them into his house, and they're all, all of them, all of them are defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Boy, you better learn there's another king named Jesus. And verse 8, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Verse 9, and then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. And that's the story of of when Paul went to Thessalonica for the very first time. Because if you look at verse 10, verse 10 says, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And what did they do when they got to Berea? On arriving there, as is custom, he went back to the Jewish synagogue and kept preaching Jesus. But what you need to realize is that the Apostle Paul was not there very long. He was there only three weeks. So here's the third thing that happened. They had immediate conversions. They had intense persecution. But here's the good thing. In just three weeks, instantaneously, a church was planted in Thessalonica. Paul leaves. He leaves. But the church was planted, right? He's gone for quite a while. He sends a young kid named Timothy to go check, up, go check up on that church. Timothy comes back and gives a report. And so Paul, two or three years later, he sits down and he writes the letter called 1 Thessalonians, which we're about to look at. What are the traits of that kind of church? Trait number one, write this down. They were a resilient church, which means they never gave up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he writes these words, We continually remember before our God and Father 
Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance. That's the word I want you to circle. Your endurance. Inspired by your hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's referring to that moment when he says your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's referring all the way back to when the church began, which we just read in Acts 17. The church began with a mob and a riot racing in to destroy Paul and Silas. They can't find Paul and Silas, so they grab Jason, and they have Jason arrested just because he allowed them to stay at his house. This church was birthed in the midst of persecution. I want you to look up in verse 1. It says this book is addressed to the church. You see in verse 1 the the word church? You should circle that word, the church, up in verse 1. Because that word means in the Greek, it's the word ekklesia. And that word means, the church, means the called out ones. It means that you've been called out of the world. So when you've been, if you're you're saved, you've been called out of the world and and you're over here and all of a sudden you go, man, I I don't know, I, I feel different now. You should feel different. So don't be surprised when the world mocks us and ridicules us and laughs at us and persecutes us. This church, from its beginning, people were persecuting them. But the church was resilient. They endured. They didn't give up. Can someone say praise God? Second yeah. Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, it's a fact that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. If you're not being persecuted, there's a chance you're not really living a godly life. I want to give you four quick things, quick, 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 why they could be resilient. We find these reasons in verses 4, 5, and 6. The first reason they could be strong in the midst of persecution, write this down, is because they had been chosen by God. They knew that they had been chosen by God. That's what verse 4 says. Paul writes, it says, you you know, you've been chosen of God. You know, there's two teams. There's God's team and there's there's the devil's team. And I posted this on the internet. God's team is going to win. But even though I get to choose Christ, before I chose Christ, Christ chose me. And he chose, he said, how's that? Well, before I was ever born, before I was ever born, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into this world 2,000 years ago as a fulfillment of all those Old Testament scriptures. And Jesus goes to the cross and he dies. And when he died, he was choosing me. He was choosing me. And i got to tell you this. There are not sometimes, there are many times where I get discouraged. There are many times where I feel like giving up. But you know what keeps me in the fight? You know what keeps me in the battle? Is knowing that God chose me to be here. And if God chose me, If God chose me, if God redeemed me, if God loves me, if God graced me, how could I ever give up on Him knowing that what He did and what He went through for me? So, if you're a believer, know that God God chose you before the beginning of time. 
and sent his son into the world so that, that you might be forgiven and redeemed and saved. Praise God. The second reason, write this down, is that they had, it says this in the, in the text, verse 5, when they received the gospel, they received the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you got saved, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and when you got saved, God gave you his presence. And that presence lives inside the believer. And so it doesn't matter what I'm going through. If, if, now, if I didn't have the Spirit of God, I'd be in trouble. But you'd be surprised by how much you can endure in the face of opposition to the gospel if you realize that God's power is inside of you. The third thing they had was godly examples, or what I call Christ-like examples. Uh, you know, because remember, Paul came in Acts 17. What happened in Acts 16 to Paul? The guy who preached to them in Acts 17 just came from Philippi. He was beaten and thrown into the Philippian jail. It's called the Philippian jail. And he was in there at midnight singing and praising uh, the Lord and an earthquake happened. They were all delivered. But Paul had been persecuted in Acts chapter 16. Then he came to Acts 17. We read the text and he just preached three Sabbaths and he got ran out of that town. He goes to the next town. He's going to get run out of just about every town he goes to. And that was their mentor. So they had Paul's example, but they also had Christ's example. Because if you remember, if you're thinking, when Paul came into that synagogue for those three consecutive Sabbaths, what did he talk about? He talked about how Christ had to suffer. Remember that? And so they had Paul's example. They had the Lord's example. And the fourth thing they had that enabled them to be resilient, and this is hard to explain, but somehow in the, in the midst of their severe suffering, they had unexplainable joy that the Holy Spirit gave them. I want you to circle the word severe in the text. It's the strongest word in the New Testament to explain something that's treacherous. Listen, I stubbed my toe and I think it's the end of the world. But have you ever seen some of these Christians who are actually dying for their faith? There's something inside of them that enables them to go through what they're going through. It's all a result of the Holy Spirit of the Lord God. I praise God, I do, that when you came to church today, there wasn't someone standing in your front yard with a gun that said, if you go down to that church, we're going we're gonna to kill everyone in your family. Aren't you glad that didn't happen to you when you came to church? I, aren't you glad that when you parked your car and walked in here, there wasn't someone who grabbed your son or your daughter and said, look, mister, if you go in that church, we're going to cut your kid's head off and stick him on a pole. So you need to decide if you're a Christian or not. I praise God that didn't happen to anybody here today, although it's happening in, around the world. Last time I checked, last time I checked, you can still read your Bible in public in America. You can go right over to Starbucks and read your Bible. Now, I think the day will come where that will be against the law in this country. So you better go do it now while you can. My question to you is what's going to happen when it becomes illegal to read your Bible in the public arena? Will you continue to read your Bible in the public arena? You say yes, but will you? Last time I checked, before you eat your food, you can bow your head. You can be over there at McDonald's or in and out wherever you go. And you can actually, uh, let's pray and have everyone bow there. And you can actually say a prayer. In America, 
Last time I checked, if you want, you can put a Jesus sticker on your bumper if you want. You see, that severe persecution has not come to this country, but the question is, if it ever does come, will you be resilient like the church in Thessalonica? I show you one verse before I continue on, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Listen, if you're looking for a church that's into health, wealth, and prosperity, you need to go to some other church. Okay? Because that's not what this church is about. Look at this verse, okay? Look at this verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. To this you were called. You were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his what? In his steps. The Bible is clear. Part of being a Christian is being willing to suffer for Jesus if need be. Number two, write this down. The gospel rang out from this church. The gospel rang out from this church. And verse eight says that the Lord's message The Lord's message rang out from you, now watch this, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known, what's the word? I want you to circle that word. Oh, circle the word everywhere. Your faith has been known, the message, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. You talk about a model church. They were example setters and that the gospel of Jesus Christ rang out from the epicenter of Thessalonica. I just want to say this. I don't know how much time we have left before Jesus comes back. We got a minute, a day, a week, a month, a year. But this church, Shepherd Church, if we want to be a model church, the gospel needs to ring forth from this church. Not just on the internet, not just on KKLA, not just on KDOC television, but from this pulpit and from the people sitting in these chairs every single day, the gospel needs to ring out. And I'm telling you, we can change the world if we would start to do that. Amen, amen. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. 
We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I'm Kyle Welch inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.